So we're continuing this morning in our short summer series through a selection of psalms titled Praise the King. And we come to Psalm 8. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 8. This message is titled, The King of Creation. Hear now the eternal living word of God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. I remember the first time I saw pictures from the Hubble telescope. There was amazement and wonder of the the magnificent pictures of the universe outside of our world. I just stared in admiration of these amazingly colorful and beautiful wonders in outer space. And up until that point in my life, outer space and all the galaxies beyond us were only a concept. But in that moment, in the fullness of its beauty, the magnitude of the universe became real to me. And there's a seemingly endless amount of astonishment that comes from creation. When we're able to gaze into the vastness of the galaxies of the universe, they almost always leave us in awe. When you consider the height of the mountains, the depths of the sea, it's astounding. When you consider the miracle of life, And the boundless assortments of creatures on this earth. It's beyond our understanding. And the breathtaking creation reveals to us a creator that surpasses our comprehension. It reveals to us a creator that is so far above us that all we can do is bow to his majesty. It reveals to us a creator that owes us nothing but that we owe everything. In Psalm 8, David explores the majesty of the creator. The majesty of Yahweh and that he has revealed in his creation. And in our study of Psalm 8 this morning, we'll see three realities of God revealed in his creation. God's glory in creation. God's special care for humanity. And God's delegation of human authority. 
Psalm 8 is the first praise psalm in the Psalter. It comes after a series of psalms of lament. And now David wants to sing praises to God. Beginning in verse 1 he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now the first Lord here is the English translation for Yahweh, the personal name of God. And you can notice it anytime in your English Bibles because the Hebrew word written as Lord is always in small capital letters. And this is to show that this is the name of God being translated as Lord. And it's to distinguish it from another word, Adonai, which is also translated as Lord. And this is a title that means Lord or Master, something you would call a king, my Lord. And this is actually what the second Lord here is. So David is saying, Yahweh, our king. David is declaring that Yahweh is a sovereign Lord over his people. And then he says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Although Yahweh is the God of Israel, his name is majestic in all the earth. And God's name throughout the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, reflects his character. It reflects his glory. And so Yahweh is not only the sovereign king of his people, but he is sovereign over the whole earth. He is sovereign over all of creation. David says, you have set your glory above the heavens. And so the glory of God is not only seen in all the earth, but also above the heavens. The greatness of God, the glory of God, the majesty of the name of Yahweh permeates all of creation. And this is the first reality of God revealed in his creation. God's glory we could see throughout creation. The magnificence of creation. When we stand in awe and wonder of something that's been created. This points us to an even greater creator. As David wrote in Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The depth of creation in the sky is beyond our full understanding. And this points us to God's glorious name, to God's holy and transcendent character. God and his glory are revealed in his creation. His character permeates his creation. And this is what is called in theology natural revelation. God revealing himself in his creation. And so natural revelation, not to be confused with Special revelation. The special revelation is God's direct revelation of himself through divine speech and visions, dreams, and especially in his word and scripture and through his son, Jesus Christ. But natural revelation is that when God spoke creation into existence by the word of his power, his creation declares his nature and his attributes. The invisible qualities of God, his eternal power and his divine nature are made so clear in his work of creation that no one has an excuse to disobey him. John Calvin wrote of this in his Institutes of Christian Religion. He said, God's essence indeed is incomprehensible, utterly transcending all human thought. But on each of his works, his glory is engraven in characters so bright so distinct and so illustrious that none, however dull and illiterate, can plead ignorance as their excuse. 
God is manifest through his creation. It gives us a glimpse of his glory that is made known to us through creation. The heavens and the earth. So when we stand in awe of the glory of creation, let us praise the glorious creator. Often people struggle with not fully understanding God. They don't want to accept that they can't fully understand who God is at times. But when you consider the magnitude of creation, do you fully understand creation on this earth? All the forms of life and all their intricacies and characteristics? Do you fully understand the far-reaching regions of the earth? The deserts and the mountains, the oceans and the jungles? Do you fully understand the planets and the stars and the solar systems, galaxies in our universe? And the inevitable answer is no. Well, then it's safe to say we're not able to fully understand the God who is powerful enough to create all of this. Now, we do know much about this God. He has revealed much for us to know. But the God who can fit fully into a box in your mind, whose thoughts and actions you fully understand on every level, is not the God of creation. It's not the one who, true God who has revealed himself to us in the Bible and through his Son. But while we're not able to understand everything about creation or about our glorious creator, you are able to appreciate God. You are able to know about his salvation that he's offered us in his son. You are able to bow down to him in worship and glorify and praise him. You're able to respond to his glory that he's revealed in creation with reverence, awe, and worship of him. You're able to serve him in fear and in love. But God makes the majesty and glory of his name known in unlikely ways as well. To our human ways of doing things, the, Lord, the ways of the Lord are often counterintuitive. Because God uses the weak to exhibit power. God is glorified in using weak people to do great and mighty things. Because by using the weak who couldn't possibly be responsible for the works of power done through them, God is glorified. Paul speaks of this in his first letter to the Corinthians. In chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not. To bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He's saying that God uses what is foolish in the eyes of the world. What is weak in the eyes of the world was low and despised in the world so that those who are powerful and strong in their own eyes will be put to shame. And so God's glory will shine through this so that no one will think that the accomplishments of God are done because of how great they are as a person, because of their wealth or their intelligence or their power, and because the radiant glory of God, of the all-powerful king of creation, is the one that has done this. We see David says in verse 2, 
Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Babies and infants are, are the most helpless among us. Human babies are one of the most vulnerable and weak creatures in all of creation. They are completely reliant on the adults around them to survive. But Yahweh is the king of creation. And the majesty of his name permeates all of creation. He uses the weak to establish the glory of his power. Rather than displaying his power through the mouths of those who are wise and strong in the eyes of the world. God's power is declared through little children. Babies even. Confessing the truth of God. One night at bedtime a few years ago. I played a video for my daughter Clementine. Who was four at the time on the story of Ruth. And in the video it mentioned that Boaz was the redeemer of Ruth. And Clementine looked up at the screen annoyed and shouted, what? Jesus is our redeemer. But then at the end of the video, the speaker did connect the story to Christ. He he explained how Boaz as redeemer points us to Jesus, the true redeemer. And then Clementine responded, finally, you said it. And this really, though, makes me think of God's power being displayed through this little girl speaking the truth. Of his gospel. To grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't need a towering intellect. You don't need a PhD in theology. You need a humble heart before the Lord of glory. And through this gospel of Jesus Christ that is foolish to the world, God's enemies are defeated. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 21, after Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, Then the blind and the lame came to him for Jesus to heal them. And the children cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. And the chief priests and scribes were indignant. They said to Jesus, do you hear what they say? These children were proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus responded by quoting Psalm 8. He said, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. God's enemies are those who oppose him. Those who oppose Christ. Like the kings that were mentioned back in Psalm 2. Like the chief priests and the scribes in this story from Matthew. But God's power is established in that faith. Even of a child defeats his enemies. Knowing that Jesus is our God and our Savior is the power of God established in those who believe. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. But the king of the universe came down from heaven, walked the earth among humanity, and died the death you deserve so that you may be forgiven. The death that reigned in humanity through Adam and the sin that brings forth that death is defeated through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And this is foolishness to the world. No one who is powerful in the world would sacrifice their own life, especially for people who have rejected them and rebelled against them. They wouldn't sacrifice their life for their enemies. The powerful in this world sacrifice others for their own gain. The rich and the powerful rulers in humanity kill and crush others to get their own way. But God's power is so profound and contrary to human power that he establishes it through the sacrifice of his son. So let us praise the Lord 
the king of creation. And the majesty of his name that permeates this creation. So when you see the evil of the world and humanity, when you see the powers of the world on display crushing human life in its path, you can still rejoice that God's way is to give life through the sacrifice of his son. Let us praise the Lord and his glorious son for his defeat of the power of sin and death. The king of glory, Jesus Christ, reigns victorious through his death and through his resurrection from the dead. Praise God that his glory is revealed in this. That his glory is revealed in creation and he entered this creation. And his eternal plan is to redeem creation. God could have completely undone creation because of sin. But this isn't his plan. He revealed his power to do this in the flood. But his plan is to redeem creation through his son, Jesus Christ. Through redeeming a people for himself. And calling these people through the power of the gospel. Through uniting you to Christ through faith. And redeeming all of creation through his majesty. Through his anointed Messiah, his son, Jesus Christ. Then after considering the majesty of God in creation, David then moves to the insignificance of humanity in comparison. Starting in verse 3, he says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? David is pondering, why would the king of creation, the one whose majesty permeates all of creation, the one who is powerful enough to create all of this, be mindful and care for humanity. There's a story that is told of Teddy Roosevelt that he would go out on his lawn at night with a friend and they would lay down and look up at the vast beauty of the night sky. And Roosevelt would point out a certain spot of light and say, this, that is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. Then Roosevelt would grin and say to his friend, now I think we're small enough, let's go to bed. When we get caught up in our own little worlds, it's easy to think about our own accomplishments. We can get puffed up with pride. Or, or when we are facing struggles, suffering, Facing difficulties of any kind in this world, it's easy to lose sight of God and all that he is. But when you consider the magnitude of his creation and the majesty of God's character that permeates through it, it's humbling. It reminds us of how small we really are, how insignificant. And David questions, why would the God whose glory is displayed through this vast creation even care about us at all? But he does care about us. David writes in verse 5, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Although we are insignificant compared to the unbelievable magnitude of creation, yet God has made humanity a little lower than heavenly beings. He's referring to God making humanity in the image of God. 
The majesty of God's character permeates creation and the pinnacle of his creation is in humanity. Human beings made in the image of God, the likeness of God and crowned with glory and honor. And this is our second reality of God revealed in his creation. God's special care for humanity. It's quite an amazing reality to consider that the God and creator of the universe, the God that transcends his glorious creation, cares for humanity. He's made us special, creating us in his image. And he's shown a special care for us. And so while we're seemingly insignificant compared to the greatness of God, compared to the magnitude of his creation, God has made us in his image and likeness. He's made us special. He has a special care for us. And that's the great mystery that David's speaking to. Not simply that humanity is so small and insignificant compared to our creator, but that God's love for us is so big. He is mindful and he cares for us. We're simply specks of dust in the vastness of the universe. But he's made us in his image and likeness and he's crowned us with glory and honor. Our struggles in this world are great at times, but so are our joys. And knowing the special place that the creator has given us in his created order, that he's placed humanity, making us in his image, caring for us, can be comforting. But in our sin, we've rejected him. We've marred his image. But God's love is so great for us that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect image of the invisible God. As we read from our call to worship in Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, preeminent over all of creation. By Jesus Christ, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the means of creation. He is the purpose of creation. And even with all of that, God cared enough for humanity to send Jesus to live on your behalf. Even though you sinned against him and rejected him. God sent Christ to live the perfect life. Perfectly reflecting his image. When you marred the image with sin. But in his special care for humanity. God has an even greater care for his people. God has a special care for you. And so he reconciled you to himself. Through the life, death and resurrection of his only son. So praise God. Not only for his special care of humanity, but for his special care of his people in Christ. For his salvation, for his special care of you personally. And intimately tied to the image of God is, in God's special care of humanity is the human dominion over creation. Starting in verse 6, David writes... You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Here David is praising God and pointing out humanity's reign over creation. And this is our third reality of God revealed in his creation. God's delegation of human authority. 
God has given humanity authority over his creation. And David here is alluding back to Genesis 1 that we read in our responsive reading. Immediately after creating humanity in his image, God blessed them. And he commanded Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. David mentions this divine mandate as a praise to God. Because it shows the special place that humanity holds among creation. God appointed Adam and Eve to rule over creation on his behalf. As his representatives. All of the earth under human control. This is in, on the earth, in the sky, even in the sea. God created Adam and made him his vice regent. But in the fall, in the sin of Adam and Eve, humanity lost this total control. We still see it at times. We can still subdue some of the creatures on earth, some of the time, and get some of them to obey us. But we are definitely not ruling over all of the earth, over all of creation. The author of Hebrews spoke to this problem and the solution. In Hebrews chapter 2, Psalm 8 is once again quoted. It says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. But then he says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, He left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Ultimately, the the lack of human control and authority over creation points us to Christ. It points us to the one whom all authority on earth and in heaven has been given. Jesus is the only one who deserves to be crowned with glory and honor. The only one who lived the perfectly righteous life. The one who defeated death through his own sacrificial death. Psalm 8 is praising God for the day that is to come. The promised day that when everyone in Christ will be fully glorified and reign over all of creation with him. And Jesus came and took his authority over creation by becoming weak. He took on human flesh, this frail physical physique, and died humiliating an excruciatingly painful human death in order to conquer his enemies, in order to conquer our enemies, in order to conquer sin, Satan, evil, and death. So while the cross is foolish to the world, to those who believe it is the power of God to save, through the cross of Jesus Christ, God fully displays his majestic character, The cross puts on full display at the same time the justice and mercy of God, the righteousness and the grace of God, the holiness and the love of God. The fullness of God's glory is displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ because God uses weakness to make known his majestic power. His strength is proclaimed in his power to use human weakness. 
So while you may feel weak, God can and will use you to make his saving power known to the world. Although you are spiritually weak, continuously falling into the traps and cycles of sin in your life, although you are emotionally weak, failing to control your anger and emotions, although you are physically weak as your earthly body decays day by day, God has saved you through the death of his son so that nothing can separate you from his love. Through faith you are united to Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. And upon the return of Christ, through faith in him, you will be raised from the dead and you will reign with him in eternity. Jesus lived the life you could never live and he died death as your substitute. So that what seems impossible, humanity ruling over creation, you being perfectly sinless in a glorified, immortal physical body, although this seems impossible in your currently weak, sinful state, with God nothing is impossible. And in your weakness, God reveals his strength. And in his son, Jesus Christ, you'll be with him, ruling over creation in glory for all eternity. So let us praise God in all his majesty. As David closes this psalm in verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, We come before you in worship this morning, bowing to your majesty. As we think about the wonders of this world, the wonders of creation, the wonders of your salvation and your son, Jesus Christ, we are in awe of your majesty. We come before you, Lord, with empty hands, bringing nothing. But you love us in your son, that we are redeemed. We are reconciled to you and we await a future glory beyond our imagination. So as we go through the difficulty of this life, we hold on to the future hope of the resurrection. The future hope of eternal glory in the new heavens and the new earth that you have promised us. Knowing that this future is guaranteed and we proclaim this glory and your glory throughout the earth as long as we live. In the name of our Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.